0: I'm going to read from Genesis chapter 1, verses 28 to 30, and chapter 2, 1 to 3. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food, and all the beasts of the earth, and all the birds of the air, and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every grain for food." And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus, the heavens and the earth earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. And so, on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and called it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. God rested. Rest. What is your idea of rest? Sleep? Yes, have a good sleep. No work, don't have to go to work, lay around. Listening to music, chilling out. How's that? Yeah? I thought you'd like it back at the beach, just lazing around, listening to the waters, white sand. Yeah, someone likes that too. Yeah, it's all good. So the idea of rest is relaxation, leisure, maybe, ease, and comfort. Sounds good. God rested on the seventh day. Here's something for moms and for everybody. Before I even start, I must um, you know like apologize to Umpo and Joseph. This is not meant to frighten you, but <laughs> this is all good. <laughs> Moms, do you ever feel as though you have nothing to give? There's so much demands that are made on you that you have become depleted, empty, and exhausted. Do you have an automatic signal in you that when you are about to sit down? Immediately, a voice from the far end of the house shouts, Mom! (laughs) Well, if you have said to all this, said yes to all this, and I am in, congratulations. (laughs) You are a bona fide mom of the membership that is of motherhood. One of the conditions of this membership is that you exchange your calm and your orderly life for upheaval busyness, and whirlwind activity. Hey, yes. (laughs) Oh, we entered motherhood so eagerly. Babes in our arms, stars in our eyes, so cuddly, so cute. These wee little ones, you know, they hold our hearts and our lives. We are just captivated by them. We didn't know that the dental thump, thump, thump of their little hearts were ticking, ready to explode with such energy <laughs> that it hits us like a bomb. <laughs> so as parents, we are the managers and the harnesses of this energy. So what do we do? So we fill our days with clever schemes and fancy plans <laughs> to keep our children occupied. Soon we find ourselves caught in this great carpool of life. We pick up and we drop off. There's the gymnasts, there's the ballerinas, there is the musicians, the swimmers, the pony clubs, soccer players, hockey players, footy players, you name it. They're all there. And his life is like a blur. If anyone needs rest... It's today's moms. And if you're a working mom, God have mercy. (laughs) Well, I might add that, you know, today there are great dads. There are great dads who contribute so much, and they help, and they do. You know, there are dads who come home after work. They cook the meal. They mind the kids. They do everything. They do the running around, dropping off, picking up, that type of stuff, too. So well done, dads. (laughs) But if you are a single mom or dad, I applaud you. I applaud you. And I pray that all your hard work, all your, you know, consistent time with the kids and all that you do, that God will reward you, that you would be rewarded and that you would be blessed. Yeah. Yes. Yes, indeed. And then there are those who care. You know, in my profession, I see those who care. They care for their spouses who have uh, illness or need they care for families who are in difficulties they care for uh, children who are who have uh, some disability or something and they they need they, they are great carers and i know i think of them too i think of single people who work so hard. You know, they have a full, you know, uh, very important job, full day of work. They have to provide for themselves. They're exhausted. They come home in the evening and there's not a meal prepared for them. They've got to do it all by themselves. They've got to clean. They've got to do everything by themselves. And I feel for them too. I do for them too. And then there are the students. They're so snowed under. Oh, gosh, assignments, meet this deadline, meet that deadline, go here, do this, that, made that person, do all that, have your social life, you know, everything. You're exhausted. You're exhausted. So rest is something that we all need, whatever walk of life that we are in. But there is a rest for us, a rest that is more rejuvenating than a long leisurely nap and more soothing to our frayed minds Than a long, lovely concert or lovely, you know, recital that we enjoy. This rest that I'm talking about reaches into the depths of our souls and claims us from within. This special rest comes from Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden light. That's the rest that Jesus offers us. Have you heard of stress fractures? I'm sure you have. Yes, stress fractures begin when shocks and strains of playing game after game create tiny cracks in the outer layer of the bone. When these cracks become large enough to cause pain, they are then known as stress fractures. And what a picture that is. If you have had a stress-fractured spirit or an aching heart, then you will know what I'm talking about. It's something that can eat you all day and keep you awake all night. So what can we do? What can we do? There are two things that I'd like to suggest. First, change your focus. Jesus said, come to me, and I will give you rest. Let me, teach you ag- Let me teach you, he says. Again, in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 29 to 31, we read, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will sow on wings like eagles. They will run and not go weary. They will walk and not be faint. So instead of struggling with the burden, spend time with the burden bearer and let him strengthen you. And second, you know, if you are too busy, which all of us are, change your lifestyle. Change your lifestyle. Stop trying to be Wonder Woman or Mr. Fix-It. Don't make a big deal out of everything. Accept your imperfections. Let some stuff go. If you want things to change, you'll have to change them. I have to change them. Nobody can change them for me. Talk to God today, and he will give you the strength to do it. So what I'm trying to say is rest for the soul is the most desirable rest. It affects not only our spiritual health, but our, but our emotional and physical health as well. So the only way to receive this rest is to sit at Christ's feet and to hear his word, to take time to learn more about who he is and what he is like. So in the creation account, uh, God created everything in six days, you know, and forming man on the last day before having a day off. God had a day off. So the implication I see from this is that the first day of man's life was a day of rest. The first day, man began life starting with a day of rest. And what we do is we work all week and look forward for this work day of rest. We look forward to this day of rest. But the kingdom, the equation of the kingdom is quite different. It's the other way around. So we begin in a play of, place of rest. If we begin in a place of rest, then we work, and working then bears good fruit. From the place of rest, we are able to bear bear good fruit. And as I was thought, thinking about it, I thought of last week. So last week it was if Sunday was my day of rest, and I came into church, and I. S- I came early, I spent a little time before the pre-service, the musicians are practicing. It's nice to sit here and listen to them and be in that atmosphere of praise. So, you know, also participate in the time of prayer that we have before the service. And then sit and listen to what Pastor Mike said. And if my actions, as he said, shows the value of, you know, what I what, what, what real values I have, as he said... I went out to work on Monday or went out and did my own thing on Monday. And if I had these values, if my actions then portrayed the values that Pastor Michael was talking about, then I start the week in the right place. So that whatever comes whatever comes along and whoever I meet and what I realize that this is what I'm meant to be. This is what I might, my actions ought to speak of who I am or what my values are. You know, and and I realize that he is a soul that Jesus died for. He is someone that Jesus... And I, imp, what I do is I put into practice what I have heard on the Sunday. And so I don't see the rest of it. I don't see all the negatives. I don't see the wrong things that are going on. I don't see the difficulties. And I'm going to work, have a week that I have worked in or done my... Work, work at home or whatever I've done because I've got the right perspective I've seen it through what God wants me to see I've come from a place of rest uh, what underlines my rest is what God has said for me that week and isn't that lovely and then I go along and every day I have, I have my time with the Lord on, on Wednesday I have connect group and Sharon shared this connect group and what she shared and the thoughts that she brought I mull over that I meditate over all that and I'm in a place of rest I'm in a place of rest. Okay, because those are the things that are underlying who I am, who are, that is helping me. Those are the words that are going to undergird me and help me through this week. So Jesus spoke of this rest to farmers who used oxen to plow their field. But these farmers, they also lived by religious rules. And they, did, they, were, they didn't permit, you know, they, those rules did not permit them to relax or even experience God's love and grace in their lives. Because it was something that was heavy. The the yoke Jesus spoke of is fashioned with discipline and discipleship. Discipline is just doing it. Following him, reading, follow, and learning his word. And discipleship is following what he says. So what he wants us is to just listen to what he says. He says, come and learn of me. Listen to what I say and follow and all this is, it is because of his love. This this design that he has is fashioned in love. He loves us. So rather than bringing restriction, what he brings is refreshment. So through this yoke, he calls us to learn of himself and find quietness and that blessed rest that we all love to have. You know, Jesus had to do more than any of us when he walked this earth. Yet he never seemed to do it. In a way that severed the life-giving connection with his father, he always had that connection. Or it didn't interfere. Or it didn't even interfere with his ability to show love when it was called for. He regularly withdrew from the rat race in order to pray. He did that. What an example! Even when his disciples returned excited, you know, with this successful missionary trip that they had been. You know, they had had such a wonderful time, they were excited. He then said to them, come away and rest for a while. Because Mark records many people were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. So rest is important. Constant hurry is the mark of an unprioritized life. A sure sign that second and third things have become first things. Not only did God command us to rest every seventh day, he told the Jewish farmers to let their fields rest every seventh year so that they would produce better harvests. And what a good idea. What a good idea. Don't work your bones. Okay? What would my life look like if I tried to live with a hard, deep conviction that because of God's unchanging character and his care, This world is totally a secure place for me to be in. If I had that understanding, then my anxiety levels would go down. I wouldn't be tormented by my own inadequacy. I'd be an unhurried person. I might be busy, but I'd have an inner calmness and an outer poise. I wouldn't say anything foolish when I'm tired and cranky. (laughs) I would not speak without thinking. And I will trust God enough to obey him. Worry makes us depend on ourselves. It robs us of joy and energy. Yeah. A person in whom the peace of Christ rests would be an oasis of sanity in a world of pandemonium. What does your world look like? What does your world look like? One of the last things Jesus told his disciples before leaving the world, the world was, in this world you will have troubles. And he was right, wasn't he? Yes. Who has a trouble for your life? We all experience stress, occupational demands, deadlines, expectations, personal pressures, all these things ganging up on us and constantly trying to rob us of the peace we desperately desire. No one is immune to stress, frustration and the feeling that we are on the, on, on the fast lane of life. What is all this is but the absence of peace. And the answer can't be found in a pill, a possession, pleasure, not even a cup of coffee. <laughs> 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 all those things we are off or wear out all of those things we are. All. Yeah. yeah. But the Bible talks about three different kinds of peace. God wants us to have peace. Peace with others as far as it depends on you. Live at peace with everyone. Romans chapter 12 and verse 18. So this is an external peace and is necessary for human relationships to flourish. And we need that. And most of the time that's you know part of the battle. You know, we, we battle things because we do not have peace with others. We have, you know, we have problems. We, we you know, we have difficulties. We, we are not in the right relationships or some people just rub us the wrong way. You know, all these things that happen to us. And, it, you know, and we have, to, we have to face it. It's very hard. But we need to learn to live in peace with others. Peace with yourself. Let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. Colossians 3 and 15. And this is internal peace. This is internal peace. A rest of mind and soul that sometimes escapes most of us. That internal peace, peace with us. So what is it? What is it that disturbs our peace? What is bothering us? Jesus said, Come, come and talk to me. There's nothing, there's nothing in this world, there's nothing that we cannot we face that Jesus can, cannot fix. Everything can be fixed. And that is the uh, hope and the assurance that we have in Christ and his words. There's nothing. So if there is something that is robbing us of our peace, it's not a sin. It's not a sin. It is the best thing that we can do is to speak it out, to talk to somebody, to search the word, to, you, you, to find good counsel and get that out of ourselves and have peace within us. And the most important thing is peace with God. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 5 and 1. And we have heard it a million times. There's, there's nothing that we can do that will earn us our right relationship with God that is freely available to every one of us. And that is eternal peace. That is eternal peace, and it comes from knowing that you have a right relationship with God, and that is available to anybody, anybody, and everybody, that God avails himself of a right relationship with him. He's done everything for us. One of the greatest promises in the Bible is you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you isaiah 26 and 3 so when we have our trust in god when no matter what we go through how difficult it is and you know today many of you came came for prayer believing believing that was a, a statement of faith that god is able to set you free that god is able to answer answer your prayers he is able to meet your need and when you have that assurance because you are trusting in him then you you are at peace so no you know, circumstances might not have changed when you go home or when you go to work or in your family, but you you will you have the inner peace that God has done something, and your faith and your trust is in God today, and it no one else. it doesn't have to happen tomorrow, but you will declare, keep declaring, keep speaking, keep telling the Lord, Lord. My trust is in you. My peace in is in you. I know. I don't know how, God, but I know. Today, I came out for prayer. I said, "God, I trust you, and let me not go back on that. Let me not go back on that. That is my statement of faith. You are in God's perfect hands. So, who are you trusting to solve your problems? God, or yourself? You know, that's a question that I ask myself. You know, the world says, do your best and let God do the rest. Well, we say God will, we will ask God to do everything for us and we will rest. We will rest. We grew up believing that we, if we can't do anything else, the least we can do is worry. Act stressed out and be miserable, you know. We've got to show it, isn't it? You know, how are you? We gotta show it somehow. You know, we have to act stressed, we have to do all that. But trusting God completely, you're no longer at the mercy of your circumstances. Yeah. Other people or you are not the mercy of other people or or your own emotions and your limitations because you have put your trust in God. The peace that Jesus brings to us brings is a sense of assurance that no matter what happens, you know it is it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. You know that is why people who have lost everything will often tell you they wouldn't trade what they have learned even if it meant recouping all their losses. You know, have you talked to people like that? Have you had people have that experience yourself? You know, a couple of people, Johnny Erickson Tara discovered a supernatural peace when an accident confined her to a wheelchair. You know That is when she really found out who, her, her strength in God, and she's been able to do mighty things for the Lord, even though she had to have that very bad accident. And Corrie Ten Boom, one of my favorites, one of my favorites, found it in a Nazi death camp. She was there in prison, and there she found peace, even amongst all the hardship and the misery that the prisoners went through. A missionary by the name of Elizabeth Elliot found it in ministering to the very tribe who massacred her husband. So she wrote, only in acceptance lies peace, not in resignation. Not in resignation. Well, it's my, the Lord, it's my lot of life. You know, I must have done something, or this is you know, I don't deserve it. God doesn't care about me. He hasn't heard my prayer. You know, we just resign to things. Resignation is a surrender to fate. Sarah. <laughs> whatever will be will be. Hey, but acceptance is a surrender to God. God. Acceptance is surrender to God. Yeah, whatever it is, I surrender it to God. Resignations will lie down quietly in an empty universe. Acceptance will rise to meet the God who fills that universe with purpose and destiny. We will rise up, and we will rise up with purpose and destiny. Not one of our lives is in vain. Not of our, one of our situations that we go through is in vain. We can rise up. We can rise up and meet meet God in and through all that. Okay, Resignation says, I can't acceptance is God can. God can. So it's I can't, but God can. That should be our statement. I can't, God can. Okay, resignation will paralyze the life process. But acceptance will release the process for its greatest creativity. Out of the ashes, as these people that I mentioned before, out of the ashes rose something new something great, and God is able to do that for you because that is in whom we put our trust. Resignation says it's all over for me. it's Everything's over. I'm done. No. Acceptance says, now that I'm here, Lord, what's next? What's next? What's next, Lord? You have something for me. So it is in our accepting who God is in our lives and who we are in God that we, we know We are our destinies. Resignation says, what a waste. What a waste of life. What a waste of time. What a waste of everything. But acceptance says, in what redemptive way will you use this mess, Lord? What redemptive way will you use this mess? You know, we get into messes sometimes. But God is able. God is able. And that's who who we trust. Resignation says, I'm alone. But acceptance says, I belong to God. I belong to God. I belong to God. Peace isn't the absence of problems. It's the presence of God in the midst of your problems. Nobody else finds peace by looking for it. It finds you when you surrender your life to the one who said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. It's Exodus chapter 33 and 14. What better promise do we want? When God declares, "My presence will go with you, and I will get, we give you rest," can we remind ourselves all the time that God's presence is, is with us, that He's never away from us? It's you know that we don't come into a place of worrying over the same things again and again, and then stressing out over the same things again and again. My presence is going with you; it is with you. He says, "So why should we stress out?" Yeah, so. So the assurance of God's love, God's help, and God's pr- uh, presence is what takes the stress out of living. That's what takes the stress out. So here is how it works. When you are in wo- at peace with God, you are at peace with yourself. And when you are at peace with yourself, you are at peace with others. So it always starts with God. You know, we always get it around the other way. Everything starts with God. Everything starts in the place of rest where God already started life for man. Imagine, you know, Adam and Eve, they had it all good. They had a day of rest to start with. What did they do? Chat with God. You know, he told them all about what he did, the creation and everything that was in it. They get to name the animals. What fun. What fun, how great, how wonderful. They had everything they wanted. There was food, there was the beauty of nature, there was peace, there was calm, they could just, the trees, the flowers, the birds, whatever. You know, they had everything. And, you know, they mucked it up. But God is, is he's reversing, reversing that for us, that we remember that it is from that place of rest where everything is, you know, not everything that we want, but everything that we need, God has provided and will provide. And we'll take care, and we do not have to. We do not have to worry about it. The Bible says the length of our days is seventy years or eighty. You know, those who are over eighty, you have got a bonus. It's great. You know, someone said, some I don't know. Someone said that they, they're praying that they live for hundred and twenty years. Like you know, that's how we should pray as Christians. Because uh, who lived for hundred and twenty years? Noah, somebody. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, someone lived the last, anyway. So they said, oh, that's what we have to pray for. But no, the Bible says 70 or 80, and every day is a blessing. Amen? So it, it's a mistake to think that rushing through life buys time. You know, I've got to get, you know, before I'm 70, I've got to do this, this, and the other. Before I'm, you know, I'm 40, I've got to achieve all this, whatever. You know, I, my youngest son once said, uh, you know, I think someone asked him, he was only a teenager, what do you want? He said, I want to retire when I'm 40. <laughs> well, <laughs> he hasn't got there yet. <laughs> he's he's 36, he only got married last year. So there you are, he's just starting life. So, <laughs> so, Yeah. So it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't keep you from, you know, it just, doesn't, it just keeps you from the adrenaline pumping and rush. You know, it makes you feel important that you're rushing around. You know, it doesn't do anything better than that. Business can be your en- the enemy of our soul. It's just such a rush. So it, can't, it can rob you of your spiritual growth. You know, that's the saddest part, by preventing you from reflecting and examining your heart. Because we are in such a rush that we haven't stopped. It's not about the number of things you manage to get done every day, but the quality of your of, uh, of the of your life that that produces what you can do that day. You can be busy yet not be balanced. Come with me to a quiet place, is what Jesus says. You know, come with me to a quiet place. Solitude solitude enables us, enables us. To rest it enables us that transformation despite this hectic life schedule that we run. know Jesus made it a habit of withdrawing for the from from the demands of the crowd to spend time with his father. Did he know something that we don't? He knew that rest was important and it was important to remember the day of rest. the day of rest was called the Sabbath. The Sabbath, it was meant to be holy. It was meant to be set apart for God. And we are meant to start that day from the Sabbath. A rest with God. So how are you coping? How are you doing? Have you had an aching heart and a a stress-fractured spirit? Have you had that? There's a scripture in Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 20 which says, Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths, and ask where the good way is, and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, this is a time when the Israelites were going to be taken captive, and they had fallen away from God, and they were just doing their own thing, and they were in turmoil. The prophet is prophesying and saying, this is what God is going to do. You're going to be taken away. You're going to take... But he exhorts them and he says, go. You're in the crossroads of life. Go and stand there and look at the ancient ways. Look at your forefathers. You know, where did they start? Look at where they started. Look at what they were meant to do. And you will find rest. You will find rest. Because though they were in the wilderness, though, though they were slaves in Egypt... God brought them out. Remind yourselves. Remind yourself of what God has done for you in the past. Remind yourselves of what God has done for your family, for your friends. Remind yourselves and say, you know, this is what God has done for me and he will do it for for me again and he is able to give me what I need and he is able to teach me and I will find rest for my soul. Learn from me. My yoke is easy. So this yoke that Jesus talks about was meant for the oxen, and so there was this long pole and there was two u shaped um, uh, cir- half circles, and they would fit into the the necks of the oxen. so the reason was that they would walk together simultaneously steady. And together, that one was not going ahead and the other was not going behind. They were walking together. And what Jesus is saying is, my yoke is easy. Come, bring your burdens, bring your stuff, lay it at my feet. Take my yoke. His yoke is his his teaching. And what he says is, I am going to walk together with you. Picture yourselves. We are not going a step ahead. We are not behind, lagging behind. We are walking together. We are walking together with him. His yoke. His yoke is easy. His yoke is easy, and we walk together with him, and he will give us rest. He will he will teach us of his ways and he will lead us in his paths. Someone said a Christian is someone who has a yoke on their neck, which is a good yoke now that we know what it is, and a crown on their head. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Isn't that a beautiful picture? Picture yourself as walking together with God, step by step by step with him, with a crown of On your head. And he's taking in your paths of righteousness. So the word for you is, rest my soul in Christ alone. Rest my soul in Christ alone. Can you remind yourselves about that all the time? When you have such a a stressed, stressed up life, kids are great. They love they're lovely, we love them, no matter what we we wanted them, and you know it's it's a great reward. And the one thing that I didn't miss when my children left home was that taxiing that dropping out. that is the only thing i didn't miss miss. I miss them, I love them to this day, but one thing I still <laughs> don't want to do is that running up and down boy it's exhausting it is exhausting because it does rob you rob you of it. and one of the you know strategies that i use you know even in my business and all that and, and as a young mom was you know i would always take my bible my reading material in the car and if i had 10 minutes 15 minutes i'll go park somewhere and take the word read the word and i'll just you know refresh myself in god's word and continue to do that, and that became... You know, it's that yoke is one of discipline... And discipleship. It is that is how I learned it. The discipline of learning from His Word, reading His Word. You know, if I had missed in the morning, I, you know, I start. I used to start work at seven o'clock, which meant I had to get up early. You know, lunches, all this, blah blah, run around, run around constantly. But I would always have His Word in with me, so that I, wherever I could stop, I could read, and I disciplined myself. to to that extent as a young monk, that today that I don't have to do it, I don't have to take my Bible in the car all the time, that I do, I have decided myself that I can spend time with the Lord and and do it in a way that is suitable for me, time-wise. And because of that, you know, I have become a disciple of Jesus Christ, a follower of Jesus Christ. He has taught me of his ways. He has guided me and guarded me. And I know it is the same for every one of us. And when we carry his presence and when we walk with him, you know, we are those people, like Pastor Mike spoke last week, that we will express and we will demonstrate the love and the care and the value that God has placed in our lives and our actions would show who we are and what we are meant to be. So my word for you today is rest my soul in Christ alone. God bless you all.